I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, I'm Michael Morgan, and welcome to the weekday edition of the Wocast, powered by Middle Easy and in conjunction with Violent Money. Now, Elias the Spartan Theodoru is a Canadian mixed martial artist who competed in the UFC, and of course, he's a Bellator vet as well. He competed in the middleweight division and won the Ultimate Fighter Nations. Canada versus Australia. He joins me now on today's WOCast. Welcome, Elias. How you doing, my man? I'm fantastic. How are you? Exceptionally well. I cannot complain. I mean, obviously, um, what's keeping me occupied in terms of my attention these days is the new normal in terms of not only COVID-19, but also, you know, what's unfolding across um, the US. Now, I know you're based in Canada, but have the protest actually um, got lively there? How's it actually panning out? Um, yeah, well, again, uh, to quote Martin Luther King, uh, injustice anywhere is uh, attack on uh, justice everywhere. So obviously um, there are many different places and ways that, uh, you know, Canada is standing with uh, their neighbors, uh, our neighbors to the south um, for justice, uh, obviously in regards to the specific situations that are happening on a daily hourly minute uh basis but also uh just more broadly um in regards to hopefully some structural change i know um uh you know there are many things that need to be done uh whether it's uh, in the short term or long term so we've seen a lot of protests across um north america i mean in terms of the protests, has it been largely peaceful in Canada? I mean, what sort of um, what sort of protests are actually unfolding there? Yeah, for the most part, uh, peaceful. Um, in Toronto, they actually handed out PPE uh, for anyone that because there was an organized uh, march, uh, I believe, down Queens Park. Uh, so there was, like I mentioned, PPE that was handed out. Um, there was still some social distancing and whatnot, but there's a there's a pretty solid uh, crowd. I think the only um, the only kind of, uh, you know, negative component in regards to Canada and any other directions uh, was a little bit in Montreal in regards to um, some looters. But I think they're just more, they're not really attached in any way, shape or form to an actual movement. It's just uh, either provocateurs or people that are taking advantage of um, a situation and trying to hijack it. Um, and again, in Montreal more specifically, there is a little bit more um, history in regards to um, some of the uh, components that would hijack uh, a movement like that. But all, all in all, mostly uh, peaceful protest. It's the Canadian way. So, I mean, speaking of the Canadian way, in terms of um, how people actually mingle, how people get along, the, the sort of demographics in Canada, I mean, is it a lot less volatile, a lot less... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, hostile in in Canada than it would be in um, in North America for you know black people. Well, I, I would say that no one, no country is perfect. Uh, we all have uh, whether um, it's a natural, like 
again, I think in the case of Canada, we have our own original sin in regards to uh, the treatment towards uh, the, the native population uh, throughout um, history uh, and the injustices there and the um, second-class uh, citizenship in, in that capacity, which, again, America has in their own right as well because everyone here is uh, an immigrant in some capacity because uh, only the people that uh, came from North America, um, uh, historically speaking, are actual native born right so um but i think the big difference is one um we have a smaller population so there is more room for um agreements because there's less competing um i don't know interests there's less uh uh and it's also ingrained in many ways in the way that we became a country uh america came through a revolution where we did it slowly and eventually uh, requested uh, our own ind- individual statehood peacefully um, from Britain, right? So um, I think it's uh, in many ways in our in our way of uh, handling situations a little bit more polite. Um, and that, I guess we get that from our, uh, what's it called, uh, relationship with, with uh, Britain. And also, again, our founding as a country, for the most part, didn't happen un- until after slavery uh, was abolished in Britain and being a uh, part of the monarch, we followed suit. So Canada as a whole hasn't uh, really had uh, the uh, set slavery uh, that America has, uh, historically speaking. More so a lot of the, um, uh, what do you call it, freedom uh, freedom trains and um, underground railroad literally led up to the north and led up to Canada. Ah. So... Um, in many ways, um, again, we're not perfect in any way, shape, or form. But I think um, we've taken the uh, the time to really understand it, and we've really had uh, Canada, more specifically, in the last I'd say forty years, has really ha- uh, jumped in multiculturalism headfirst. Uh, for instance, Mississauga, it's a suburb in uh, of the Greater Toronto Area. Um, and uh, for the most part, I believe it is the most multicultural city in all of uh, North America. It, you can literally go um, in Toronto a square mile in any direction. You'll get any type of food, any type of people. Um, we have a very big, ambitious, in the last, I think, three years, uh, immigration uh, plan. So we plan to essentially um, immigrate or allow immigration of one to three percent over the next three years, and then we're going to keep on um, keep on uh, what's called adding to that. Uh, so again, no one's perfect, but I think Canada has shown a, a very um, progressive stance in regards to um, open arms to all people, um, whether it's uh, immigration and it's also again the uh, aspect of. Um, people that are uh, fleeing, uh, you know, any type of hardships uh, in regards to that capacity as well, too. We've been very big on, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, Syria specifically, we opened our arms. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I can't remember what the the word I'm looking for. But basically, again, we're a very progressive place that uh, has had open arms for the most part um, in the last short term and long term. Right, because um, allow me to get my bearings here, because I have to say, in terms of geography um, and where you are, how far are you from Toronto? Oh, I live in Toronto. I'm very much in uh, the heart of the city. Right, because 
one of the key things which I was, I was quite curious about was last week, Wednesday, Regis um, Kuczynski Parkway. She fell to her death after um, mysterious circumstances, they're saying in the news. Um, six officers visited her apartment and she fell several stories to her death. Now, there have been several marches in the last few days following her yep. death um, last Wednesday. And I just wondered if that had any impact on where you were. Well, um, nothing personal on me per se. Obviously, um, I am not uh, essentially afflicted in regards to the the, the strife and the, uh, what's it called, the, uh, what's it called, uh, you know, pushback in regards to society in any yeah. capacity. I think in um, that specific case, I kind of showed that, you know, although not perfect, um, the appropriate steps are take all. If there's an investigation, um, they are looking to figure it out. I believe all police officers are on leave until they figure out the situation. I think, um, again, I think it's uh, part of the system and the capacity. What might have been more appropriate to send rather than police would have been some type of mental health um, arbiter uh, individual that would be uh, whether trained or you know, specific in their field to have the proper conversation rather than uh, the the gentleman that or the, the individuals that went in regards to uh, law enforcement. Uh, yeah. Again, that's in many ways above my pay grade in regards to understanding what's kind of going on. But uh, the, you know, again, being such close neighbors to the, um, the states, uh, obviously, uh, there's solidarity in regards to the injustices that uh, happen here and you know obviously happen um in the u.s as well and more broadly in general obviously um the sooner we realize that we're all one uh, the better and the more uh, you know i think better off society and the world would be when we realize that you know we all bleed the same blood indeed indeed you know i, I don't actually know how to actually segue from what we've been talking about into your illustrious career, but segue we must, because one of the intriguing things was, you know, you're a Bellator vet and you're also a UFC vet. You left the UFC with a record, I think it was 16-3 and three at the time. You are now 17-3, and three, right? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, what's it called? Uh, yes. So I, I'm, I'm just a bit curious as to how you actually exited the UFC, because... From my memory, now I don't have your record in front of me, I think you sustained one loss in the U.S. Cup, but before then, you were on a, I think it was a three or four fight winning streak. Were you at all surprised when you, you got your, you know, your marching orders or your pink slip? Yeah, definitely, definitely surprised. Um, you know, it, now that it's been a, a year now uh, and I have a, a win since then, uh, I'm very much not necessarily looking back, but looking forward in regards to what I plan to do. There's plenty of fight left in me. Um, obviously, um, you know, being with the company for X amount of years, uh, I thought, uh, you know, there would be more of an opportunity to, um, you know, prove my worth. Uh, but I have been doing that uh, since, both inside the cage and out, um, in regards to my fight to be a more exciting, uh, dominant fighter. And I recently got a finish. And I plan to uh, jump back in the cage sooner rather than later and continue that win streak um, and finish streak. So, again, in many ways, I'm looking to, um, you know, move forward in both my ability 
and also uh, next steps in regards to my career. So when you say you're obviously looking to get back into um, the swing of things in terms of in-cage action, is the ultimate goal to get back to the UFC or, or, or would a stint or another stint, I should say, in Bellator be um, be comfortable for you? I'm Well, one of, one of the positive things about where mixed martial arts is is there are many different organizations, many great organizations, uh, and many conversations that I already have in regards to um, to my career and next steps. Uh, with that being said, I'm still very much um, fighting for medical equality in regards to cannabis, uh, medical cannabis use, uh, and very much plan to do so in that capacity. I was recently sanctioned by the first governing body um, in the British Columbia Athletic Commissioner to use cannabis um, in regards to my medical um medical prescription and medical rights um, as afforded to me by my Charter of Rights and Freedom in Canada. And I look to fight in many different jurisdictions uh, that will honor my right to Medicaid as prescribed by my doctor and afforded to me by my fundamental rights as a Canadian. So uh, again, um, I'm very much looking forward to getting back in the cage uh, and we'll have new news on that sooner rather than later in a very interesting way. Uh, obviously, with the new normal that we're all dealing with, uh, you know, there's opportunity even amongst the, the chaos uh, in regards to, uh, you know, some of the unknowns. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to uh, fighting the good fight, not only for myself, but all other athletes moving forward. You know, I'm going to uh, follow up with a question there in terms of giving us a hint as to which promotion this is more than likely going to be for. Have you got, a, have you got any, um, any hints in terms of the letters even that this organization contains? Uh, well, all I can say is uh, I'm looking forward to being um, at the head of uh, ahead of the process of. Uh, let me rephrase this. Uh, all I can say is that I'm really looking forward to um, continuing that fight inside the cage and out for not only myself but others, but also really taking charge in the situation. Okay, I was trying to glean from that whether there were any acronyms or any letters that I could actually um, pinpoint the organization or the promotion that you'd be working with. Either you're very cunning, very sly and very clever, or I'm really stupid because I didn't get any clues from that at all. Well, uh, here's another hint. Uh, again, as a, a free agent, there's avenues and opportunities to do something different and outside the box, which I'm really looking forward to doing. Outside the box. Bare knuckle boxing? <laughs> you never know uh, but again my um therapeutic use exemption the first of its kind in professional sports uh sets precedent not only for myself uh, as a mixed martial artist but also any boxer as well because uh, mixed martial arts uh, in general in north america is built off the infrastructure of boxing yeah. so most of the boxing um commissions uh are retrofitted and take care of the uh mma commissions as well so uh, again my my precedent that i set in regards to medical quality for uh cannabis um in very much opens the door for mma fighters and boxers both amateur and professional in bc and then when i get that validated in different jurisdictions uh an example potentially the u.s as well other athletes that wouldn't be able to use it in regards to or use the same fight uh, of medical quality because they don't have uh, universal health care and health care itself isn't an afforded right um, to other places and jurisdictions. Um, this will set uh, an opportunity and precedent for others 
and allow them to then uh, what's called petition other locations that have uh, medical cannabis in their state, province, or country. Okay. Now, I mean, let's circle back to what does seem to be um, one of the key themes of what you're talking about right now, and that is cannabis use. Now, when you talk about exemptions and when you talk about usage of cannabis, um, in what form are we talking? Are we talking like um, something which can be taken as a supplement or are we talking like straight up smoking? Um, Well, I think that you can't smokes in, uh, and that's my opinion and that's actually uh the doctor that i work with i vaporize and i use oils um that's right. the best way to uh one remove combustion uh any other type of uh impure uh particles and uh, chemicals that come from for instance lighting a joint a blondes or anything in between uh again that this is my own personal uh, feeling and everybody and everybody is different mm. moreover um i use it for pain management so the reason why, again, it falls under the aspect of medical equality uh, is the fact that anyone uh, competing could uh, take a handful of Vicodin and it wouldn't be an issue. But if I have cannabis that I used from a week, a day earlier, it has a prejudice in regards to, um, again, where there would be an attachment to the overall war on drugs, uh, systemic racism, and everything in between. Um, yeah. For instance, my original... Um, applying for a therapeutic use exemption with the United States Anti-Doping Agency was always an uphill battle because the United States Anti-Doping Agency gets their funding from the United Gov- United States government, which looks at cannabis as a Schedule One drug. Um, it's a Schedule One drug, which means it has, by classification, no medical properties, where, again, you can take a handful of um, opioids and you can, uh, what's it called, fight with not an issue, where cannabis being found in my system is a prohibited substance uh, because of the stigma and, uh, you know, the historical, um, you know, aspect in regards to war on drugs and systematically attacking those that use it. You see, that's why I was seeking a little bit of education here, because I have to say, as somebody who doesn't actually use cannabis, and um, I've got very, very limited knowledge in terms of that as a drug, I, I you know i'm looking really to kind of like further my knowledge so the reason for the line of questioning is 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 genuine i i definitely don't know a thing so what i was about to say was how deep in this are you are you actually being a brand ambassador for it or are are you actually setting up your own firm are you actually um uh repping for a, a a brand which is about to be launched um i'm i have been working with uh different cannabis brands uh also, more in the educational aspect, I am looking to eventually set up a, a non-for-profit that will basically work as an educational um, organization to, again, broaden the knowledge and fight the stigma of cannabis. It's all about access, um, even though, for instance, Canada has um, you know, a lot of progress in regards to cannabis. Uh, this is a lot about access as well, and it's not going to be just about um, you know, athletics. It's going to be about society service meaning uh, first responders uh military veterans and also athletics as well um you know broader than mixed martial arts that's what i really want to bring attention to Uh, again all of this kind of traces down to original conversation and racism Uh, in many ways um cannabis was looked at more specifically hemp was looked at at a far superior product uh, when it was revealed um 
to the individuals that owned cotton. And they all, that, that same individual, William Randall Hearst, also owned all the printing presses. So he put uh, essentially the origins of reefer madness, but attached it to um, the fact that uh, crime and um, other uh, withhold, um, you know, negative aspects in regards to a certain minority group was all because of their superhuman strength, quote unquote, that they got from Medicaid or not Medicaid, even using cannabis. Oh. And the term, the term marijuana itself is actually a derogatory term. It means a poor man's tobacco because, uh, again, it came from uh, what's called Mexico after the, um, I think, the Spanish War or whatnot in the U.S. So originally, cannabis uh, was brought to the U.S. from uh, what do you call it, uh, India. And that's where the original, um, uh, what do you call it, prejudice was. But then afterwards, when African-Americans and Mexicans were starting to use it, they basically labeled it as a superhuman drug that was given uh, superhuman strength to attack white women and other white people. Uh, So that was in the printing press that William Randall Hearst owned. And uh, again, people demanded uh, laws against cannabis. And then you add the first taxing, the first imprisonment, and then you fast track to the 1970s with um, with uh, Nixon, who created the war on drugs. And, you know, again, the first the three strike rules, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why you have the U.S. government's uh, uh, prison population um, really going for this because of their for profit prison, uh, because there's only one exception to the 13th Amendment, which uh, abolished Slavery is prisons. So, again, there's a, no coincidence why the individuals that have the highest um, a rate of uh, imprisonment for nonviolent drug offenders are the same people that were afflicted with slavery. It's a jiu-jitsu way of uh, attacking the same people, but for profit. Wow. My mind is completely blown because you've put a lot in context. I mean, when you think about the prison population, it would make sense what you're saying. I mean, the connection there is is, is so real. Yeah, it's real. Um, and again, it's the for-profit prison system. Um, whether now you look at COVID-19 uh, or you look at um, the prison population, um, there's certain groups that are afflicted to it. And there's, again, a legacy why. Um, for instance, in Canada, uh, because we do have a healthcare system, the only part that was deregulate, deregulated in the last X amount of years was our long-term care and also old folks' homes as well. That's where all of COVID has ravaged because of the forfeit system of it, because there's they're understaffed, they're underprepared. Yeah. Um, whereas the, the the might of the the governed throne uh, in our healthcare system as well. And we are showing, for instance, in Ontario, where's the province that I come, we are showing higher rates of uh, um, uh, higher rates of infection at the moment because we're doing higher rates of testing. Mm. And most of those are the not math. We have, for instance, of a population of 15, we only had, I think it was 17 um, this uh, past couple of days. So, like, we're slowly dropping. Where you look at British Columbia, for instance, they have no new cases in regards to the island of Vancouver. And I think they only have, like, 17 cases of a population of, like, 5 million. So we've really been able to squeeze this uh, down. Um, but, again, the only places that are really affected us is the for-profit model. Um, you know, I understand uh, many people that maybe have a conservative mindset in regards to the bearing of government. But, um, again, we are the we, you know, 
the way the democracies are, the way that, um, you know, uh, Canada and not even democracies, republics, democracies, and even, um, for instance, um, the uh, uh, parliamentary system that we have in Canada and obviously uh, where you are as well, um, we have in many ways a government for the people by the people. Yeah. So, again, you get what you vote for. So if you don't trust it, then that says a little bit about you. Going back now to um, our original conversation when um, we were texting and I, I, I was actually explaining that we'd actually spoken about you um, on the last episode. And the reason being is, I'm not sure if you saw recently, but Valerie uh, Lareda um, came in for quite a bit of attention because a lot of people were trying to ascertain whether it was that she was um, exploiting her body and not kind of exalting the fact that she is a, a mixed martial artist. And a lot of people were taking issue with the fact that she seemed to be, um, how can I put it, not giving a good impression of the sport from a woman's point of view. And your name came up because my argument was this. I didn't hear the, the fans detracting from the fact that, you know, you put yourself forward as a, as a, I think it was a ring card guy at the time, right? Yeah. Now, yep. I, I didn't see any detractors there, and, and you weren't obviously exploited, or you weren't being exploited. Valerie isn't being exploited. But I suppose the, the hypocrisy there is, it's okay for a guy to get his pecs out, get his bum out, and, you know, uh, wiggle his stuff. But when women do it, there's an issue. So your name, you know, uh, was, was doing the rounds in terms of, you know, the conversation around that. But, you know, I, I'm interested in your take. I mean, considering where you've come from, I mean, obviously, you know, your chosen vocation is a mixed martial artist, but you've got that sideline and you've got that history now. You've actually, um, you know, been inside of a ring and paraded around. What's your whole take on it? Yeah, well, um, kind of diving into the, the whole ring boy aspect that I uh, jumped headfirst in, uh, part of that was actually um, due to the uh, ring card uh, positions that were being uh, taken away, for instance, in UK uh, and other places where they were actually taken away, right? So I looked at it in regards to uh, um, the true pursuit of equality. Answer is unless more. So um, I was trying to throw my hat in it in regards to again, as someone that has fought on the other, I have nothing but respect uh, for the athletes um, are competing, and uh, I'm not really looking to um, subtract or detract, but add to a great night of fights and yeah. you know selfishly i also have the best seats in the house um and, and you know whether it's uh the many organizations that i've done i think now I've, I've i've been a ring boy for about different organizations north america wide um but uh one of my staples would be uh invicta mm. and i couldn't be ha happier and prouder of being a part of the invicta team um it, it's uh some of the great fights i've seen uh, have, uh, again, uh, luckily enough, been uh, with the greatest seat in the house. And I bring it with nothing than uh, respect. Uh, and, uh, again, trying to use my platform to bring even more attention to a, a great nation. So, you see, that's, that's a, and again, this is kind of like throwing up all kinds of questions. First of all, I didn't know that you did it for other um, mixed martial arts. It is mixed martial arts or is it boxing as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've done boxing. I've done mixed martial arts. Arts. Uh, I've pretty much done, uh, you know, every organization, big and small, uh, in the in the in the field. So, I'm I'm in, I'm intrigued. How did the initial conversation go with 
um, Invicta, how did you bring that to the table? Were you approached? Talk me through that. Yeah, well, I, I did it um, again when I saw some uh, ring card holders losing submission um, because of you know the uh, the, the concept of uh, sexualization uh, and you know the, even the conversation of uh, are they even needed? Um, and my whole concept is um, if someone is um, you know. Uh, wants to be uh, a career uh, in, in that and wants to even, again, leverage it in regards to a platform. One big is to be someone like uh, Brittany Palmer, who able to uh, leverage her, uh, you know, rise as a, a razor to, um, you know, bring attention to her great skills as a painter. And she's yeah. created a, a whole career for that. Uh, you know, all of this is, in many ways, is creating opportunity and uh, creating a platform and it's what you do with it. So, um, I, you know, said only look to bring additional, like additional positivity, uh, not subtracted to attract free fights. And I, I bring it with uh, nothing but respect because, uh, I've been an athlete on both sides now of that package. So do you have a take on Valerie Laredo? Because, um, as I say, that was the entry point in which your name actually came up. Uh, I, 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 I always tell people to live their truth. Um, and whatever that ends up being and again i i think there's so many different complex components where i don't have necessarily the say because i'm uh what's called under a different concept in regards to my my um my role in regards to that conversation i'm i'm looking to add where she can look to add in regards to her own truth and her own brand and her own um what's called journey as uh you know martial artists and beyond that I definitely get. So finally, this coming weekend, we see the UFC rocking up to the Apex uh, facility in Las Vegas. UFC 250 takes place this Saturday. Now, I take it you've got a, a, a sort of like semi-handle on who's actually going to be, um, well, involved in the, the main card, right? It's a great night of fights um, from beginning to end. So what we're going to do now you're going to help me break down the main card now first up um we have got wineland versus o'malley who have you got uh in wineland versus eddie wineland versus sean o'malley yeah no this is uh, an interesting one obviously um you know it's the up-and-comer versus the uh the gatekeeper slash veteran um you know o'malley has a lot of uh, built-up rage in regards to the uh you know, the lost time in regards to his uh, fighting career because of uh, a bunch of stumbles in regards to his situation with uh, USADA. Mm. Um, but he, he is undefeated. He's a, a savage. So this is the opportunity to, again, uh, establish himself uh, against a, a true veteran. Uh, but obviously, Wineland, he's no uh, pushover and has a lot of opportunity and, um, you know, ability to uh, be a hard uh, test for the O'Malley. Now, do you think that there is more store or less store put, you know, on the fact that someone has actually gone through one of the processes, whether it be the contender series, whether it be tough? Um, you know, do you think there's a distinction made when people look at mixed martial artists who've come through that process? Or is there a different way in which people look at people who straight up being signed? Um, well, I think the ultimate fighter... Um very much has a had a purpose in regards to the you know the 
installment of mixed martial arts on the scene in general. Um, you know, it waned a little bit towards the latter years, and I, I luckily was able to be on the, you know, the just before I think it kind of curved in regards to uh, attention getting and also not necessarily merit, but more in regards to uh, weight in that capacity. Um, where O'Malley really took advantage or got to take advantage and got the opportunity to do so um, with the uh, Contender Series and really kind of uh, take that same format in regards to the Ultimate Fighter, but condense it into one event and uh, for one person. Yeah. Uh, so, he, you know, it, it, you know, in many ways, uh, these these opportunities are what you make of it. And O'Malley's been able to hit the ground running. Oh, definitely. So next up, we've got Neil Magny versus Anthony Rocco Martin. Who have you got? Um, Magny is a uh, just a badass all around, is uh, a sweetheart. Uh, I've gotten to uh, you know fight on a couple cards with him, and he's a, he's a really good dude. Um, and I know Martin uh, as well. Uh, a former coach uh, was his coach as well. There, it's very interesting to see. Martin going up uh, from 155 and having the success he has. He's a, an ace on the ground, uh, and he's a real, um, uh, you know, I want to say like a, a savage, but in many ways it seems like it's almost like a, a switch in regards to gears uh, since he's been at 170. Um, Magni, he's coming off of, I think, like an 18-month um, suspension or, you know, pause in regards to his thing with dealing with some uh, I, I think he was ended up uh, vindicated in the capacity of uh, USADA as well. So it'd be interesting to see how his mindset comes uh, after uh, that, lay- uh, that layoff. So, uh, again, this is an opportunity for Martin kind of being the up-and-comer uh, against a, you know, a staple in the 170-year uh, division in, in, the, in you know, the top 15 ranking. Okay. Aljamain Sterling versus Corey Sandhagen. Who have you got? I'm biased as hell. Uh, team Aljo all day. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, that that mindset in regards to um, Aljo, he's kind of like hitting the second gear. I think he's very much coming into his own style uh, and also his uh, destiny to uh, be a number one contender. Um, his opponent is no slouch. Uh, he's number four for a reason. It's going to be one hell of a fight, and this is my main event. Okay. Um, co-main event. Rafael Asensio versus Cody Garbrandt. I think with Garbrandt, uh, his back is against the wall, um, but that could be a huge asset in regards to, um, you know, uh, again, taking taking the moment, but at the same time, one of his issues has been essentially, uh, you know, uh, throwing caution to the wind, and that's something that Rafael can take advantage of. And he's a veteran. Uh, and someone that has all of the ability to be a long night. I don't necessarily think he has the the KO power um, as uh, Garbrandt's previous opponents have uh, to uh, you know end it. But uh, he's a you know tough tough uh, fight nonetheless. So I think this is um, uh, Garbrandt's. Uh, it's a must do for Garbrandt to win. I think he's on a three fight skid. Uh, so obviously uh, he really needs to win. And finally, the headliner, or the headliners, uh, Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer. Um, both of these athletes are badasses. Um, I know Spencer. She's a Felicia. She's a, a great person. I also know Amanda. She's a great person as well. And uh, in many ways, at this point, until proven otherwise, the the female goat. 
Um, she has taken on other individuals that have been considered the, the GOAT and has smashed the, uh, the, the opponents ahead of her. It's going to be a tough night for Spencer. Um, she really needs to have the perfect game plan or else Amanda does what Amanda does. Indeed. Elias, it has been incredible speaking about your history, about where you're coming from now and where you're going to in the very, very near future. But also um, a pleasure to hear you break down the fights as we go into what remains of fight week leading up to fight night. I just wanted to thank you again for your time. I know that you're a busy guy and I know that you've got things that you're doing. So again, I really do appreciate everything that you've been able to spare in terms of your opinion today as well it was my pleasure and i look forward to doing it again when i can tell you the acronym of where i'm fighting next (laughs) oh definitely i'm going to hold you to that as soon as that is actually been announced uh, we're going to be back on the phone again together but until then take care of yourself my friend and um thank you again for your time you too have a great day